0: My name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week, you know what, I screwed that up, let's back up a little bit and pretend that I've told you, welcome to the quarter to three gaming podcast for April, oh I don't know, you know what, tax time, hope you paid your taxes, it's that time of year, and as I was going to say, my name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not spirit camera for the Nintendo 3DS. Hi, I'm Jason
1: McMaster, and my game of the week is not Xenosaga Episode 3, also
2: Zarathustra. Uh, hi, my name is uh, Brian Kent, and my game of the week is not The Lord of the Rings, The Battle for Middle-Earth oh. 2. Oh, you would get Oh,
0: wow, Brian, you, you drew that out. That was, first of all, that hurt me personally, because... <laughs> You went from okay, Battle for Middle Earth one, pretty good. Oh, two, excellent. Oh, the Lich King expansion, not so good. I, I went on an emotional roller coaster ride with you just there, Brian. So yeah, that was my objective. uh Oh,
2: <laughs> I got a baby crying. Sorry,
0: that's okay. I have a cat in here. If you need to be excused to go monitor the crying baby, uh, that's okay. The cat, my-, my cat, says that that's okay. He. he uh... <laughs> All right. Well, while Brian Kent is on baby duty, uh, I can tell you some details about him. Uh, Brian Kent, you po- he posts as Kent Dog. We uh, we are going to have to. So McMaster, if you were, if you and I were like on a battleship, for instance, uh, what what rank would you be?
1: Uh, oh, I'd like to say rear
0: admiral. <laughs> Wait a minute, how did you get to- You've never done any military service as, th- as far as I know of. You're not even that good at Lost Planet 2 and no. I don't think you've ever been within spitting distance of a war game that you knew how to play. How is it that you become a rear admiral all of a sudden?
1: Because I like the term rear admiral, it sounded. Oh, there was a Simpsons episode a long time ago in which Milhouse uh, references the dreaded rear admiral, and since as a uh, move you have to watch out for on the school bus, uh, but uh, and ever since then I've been kind of obsessed with the uh, rank rear admiral, it just amuses me.
0: All right, well fair enough, because I, I was just going to say, I don't know what the lowest rank is on a battleship, but that would be me, because... Yeah. <laughs> I had no military experience. I uh, I actually got kip- kicked out of Cub Scouts as a kid, so even oh. that, like, I don't even have that going for me. Uh, Brian Kent, who, hey. when he joins us, will – oh, Brian Kent, you're hey. back.
2: We're... Hey, guys. Sorry about that.
0: That's okay. Oh, that's... We're, we're talking about military ranks. Yes. Uh, McMaster has decided to be a self-appointed rear admiral. I don't know how that floats in the real military. <laughs> I, on um... the other hand, am conceding that I would not be any rank at all. I would be the very bottom, like, ensign 1 or, or 00, whatever you call it. Now, you, Brian Kent, have been in the military, am I correct? I have. So do you have, I'm assuming the Air Force has, what, ranks, right? They they do. Now, by the time you, I don't know, graduated from the Air Force or however that works, uh, what was your rank?
2: Uh, My rank was senior airman.
0: I like that. That's kind of sexy. Senior airman Brian Kent.
2: That's correct.
0: So let's say... Yeah, don't don't lie. Don't Google that. <laughs> we won't. As a matter of fact, we'll, we'll we'll go ahead and bleep it. It'll be a spoiler. Uh, so right. Can we call you Senior Airman on this show, or is that like, it, is that uh, insulting? Kind of no, that works for me. Okay, so Senior Airman Kent, Rear Master. Re- no, Rear Master. <laughs> You know what, Master? I'm going to stick with that.
1: <laughs> yes, that, that that's probably what my uh, rank really should be.
0: <laughs> uh, Brian Kent, Senior Airman Brian Kent, you—I uh, can't tell if you were joking with us before, but as as an Air Forceman, you were stationed in Omaha, which immediately made me think of three, wait, four words. I'm going to say these four words to you, and I want you to know w- how you would respond. Are you ready?
2: I'm re- I'm ready.
0: Senior Airman Brian Kent, turn your key, sir. Uh,
2: all I can think of is Terminator Two. Sorry.
0: That's close. that's close. It wasn't it war games, like they have to do yeah. the, uh, they have to do yeah, the there's... exercise to see if they would actually launch the the n- nuclear missiles during a crisis. and so they put them through these psychological drills. Yeah.
1: The one guy has
0: the gun and all that jazz, yeah. That's right. a... So, yeah. Uh, does that were... They had to shut down the Whopper? Hey, yes. Okay, you know. Yep, you got it. You got it. So, d- was that an accurate portrayal of your time at a mis- missile silo in Omaha in the Air Force?
2: Uh, no, not at all, really. It's nothing. That's so, so glamorous. Matthew Broderick was not there. Um, I just uh, sat in a... Small room, monitoring a computer. Well, I guess it was accurate in that the computer was the size of a room that I had to sit there and monitor and make sure that uh, nothing went down.
0: And nothing exploded. Exactly. And were you literally in a missile silo? Uh,
2: no, but I, I was connected to the various uh, missile silos throughout the United States. So if I pushed a button then I could send the message for them to launch their missiles.
0: So could we say you were in a bunker, an underground bunker? Uh, you could
2: call it that, yes.
0: Did you actually go out like, into the desert in this like, nondescript-looking shack, and there's an elevator that takes you down to, your, to where you work? Anything like that?
2: Um, no, it's not really necessarily uh, incognito over there. Um, I mean, it's a big base that everybody knows about. But I did have to go down quite a few floors to get to my office.
0: I like that. I like the sound of that. So you worked underground in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, right. What, uh, did you look pretty spiffy in, in the uniform? Um, I'd like
2: to think so. I think uh, my wife would agree. Uh, Aha, the lady. Think, yeah.
0: yeah,
2: go ahead. Uh, I think it's about uh, three sizes too small at this point.
0: <laughs> Do you still keep it in a trunk in the attic?
2: Um, no,
0: uh, I got rid of that stuff a while ago. Um, so, so I am teasing you, but I do want to say, I think that's kind of cool. So I I don't know how old you are, but, but what possessed you to, when you were the age that you were to, to join the air force?
2: I basically wanted to get out of my town, which I grew up in, which was Vancouver, Washington.
0: Mm, I think you're the, that's in Canada. I don't think, maybe they didn't tell you that. Uh, that could be. I mean, uh... So essentially- I, did, I actually didn't know there was a Vancouver, Washington. I'm thinking a, a small... Was this a small town in, in Washington State? Um, yeah.
2: I mean, it's a small city. Uh, it's right across the river from Portland, Oregon. hmm And it's basically little... Well, I don't want to call it little Portland, because Portland was much cooler. But, uh... Um... It, uh... It was basically there to service portland
0: and uh so you decide you're going to join the air force uh did you did you intend to so you work in it now you're you're apparently a computer nerd like the rest of us exactly Uh, what was that part of your intention as as when you first started when you first joined did you have this idea of being a pilot or what what led you to the air force and what did you want to do there uh no i have terrible
2: eyesight I'm, i'm way out of shape i was overweight when i got in um so no uh i w- i was basically was going into the it field into the air force <clears throat> excuse me and then um so uh, i joined because i wanted to see the world uh i wanted to you know check out europe and japan and pan asian america stuff uh we and then uh, have an
1: ancient and varied culture and things. exactly them. yeah yep.
2: Uh, and I got sent to Clovis, New Mexico.
0: Now, uh, Clovis, New Mexico can't be that bad. I, I've spent time uh, in New can. Mexico. It is. Oh, it can? It is. All right. <laughs> I was just trying to make you feel better. I'm sorry it didn't take. Huh? <laughs> so Clovis, New Mexico, you got a little Omaha. Um, uh, is that it? Did you get to go anywhere cool, any of those places?
2: Uh, I did. Can you guys – I'm sorry. Can you guys hang on another minute?
0: Uh, that's fine. Oh. We will. We will imagine – that you went to Japan. That you have seen Russia, China, and how about France, McMaster? Let's let's throw in a tour of duty for Senior oh, chairman sure. Brian Kent in in Paris, France. Um, sure, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think that works. Um, so uh, while Brian Kent checks on his kid, McMaster, how are your cats doing?
1: My cats are. Oh, they're expensive, but uh, they're okay. I had to take one of my cat to the uh, cat to the vet today because he had a uh, he was really constipated and really wailing about it. But he's okay now, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, he's fine. He's Good fine. to know. Now I understand it interrupted uh, some important game time. Will that be discussed in your game of the week? Yes, uh, I'm imagining
1: it might be discussed in your game of the week as well. <laughs> but, I'm but,
0: imagining yeah. that your imagining might be correct.
1: Yeah, yeah. I kind of figured this would be the the big exciting episode. For...
0: <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> well, we'll table
0: that. Uh, so, all right. Sorry, oh, oh, man. Right. I feel so bad. No, no, that's okay. No, no. You know what, uh, Brian? That comes with having a, a kid in the house. So this is a new arrival for you. Uh, right. The boy's been around since he came, he showed up in October, right? He did. The, the stork brought him in October. Uh, have you been getting much sleep lately?
2: uh i have actually he's he's been pretty good i mean the first three months are terrible um but he's been uh, sleeping through the night and this is like the first time ever that uh after i put him down to sleep that he's uh gotten back up oh he knows you're doing something it- about yeah
0: something about he knew when i was going on here i think he wants to be part of it so maybe, maybe next time was- bring him on in and we'll have him pick his own game of the week and new story of the week as well
2: uh- that sounds like a plan
0: uh, all right. Well, let's let's move over to our format, McMaster. What is our format going to be today on the Quarter to Three podcast? We're going to talk about news and games, mm.
1: and news about games and
0: games, yeah, games. and maybe games about news. We'll see what, what games we've picked. Uh, so so yeah. you guys decided to drop
2: the uh, the post of the week uh, section yeah. of the show.
0: Well, we figured that if anybody wants to, like, mention a post, they can sort of work it into a discussion of news or a game of the week. Um, But, yes, you do not – it's not a requirement. If you do have a post you want to bring up, that's certainly uh, – you're more than welcome to. But it is not a prerequisite. You get into the podcast anyway, just so you know. Um, A little bit. So, Senior Airman Brian Kent, did you have a post of the week? Uh well, I have one that I was looking at, but uh yeah it wasn't that great <laughs> well let 's briefly pretend we won't we won't call you out too much on it, but let's briefly pretend there are posts of the week If there had been a post of the week, Brian Kent, what would you have picked uh
2: well, I was looking at this uh post now now i don't have it up because I didn't realize but uh, it's the post where somebody posted a poll of where they spend. Where people spend most of their oh, game time.
0: Yeah, I know that. I know that one. Yeah. And what sort of options were uh, like when you say spend most of your game time? You mean like at the on the couch at the at the desk in my office on the mm-hmm. iPad? Oh, um, system based. Okay.
2: Yeah, and unfortunately, it sort of just basically turned into into one of those which uh, which console is the best sort of. Uh, Incredible. I mean, annoying. Which
1: is so pointless, because was, <laughs> yeah. it's the 360. I mean, of seriously. Of course, yes. Everybody just, just quit. You know, it's done.
0: And was that the consensus? Was there anyone on, on to 3 holding out for, say, the PS3? Uh,
2: well, I think actually the consoles were grouped together, and then it was the PCs, oh, and the then PC, uh, yeah. mobile uh, platforms like the uh, iPhone, and then... Uh, also mobile consoles like the uh, uh the ds and the 3ds and sure.
1: stuff yeah. Vida, all that jazz
0: so this was right. a poll brian like there was an actual poll in here yeah
1: yeah and yeah. i'm guessing it's... the pc was handily winning yeah oh yeah yeah welcome to quarter to three <laughs> <laughs> it's not exactly a uh, uh an exact microcosm of, of
0: the gaming universe <laughs> Yeah I, th- I think our demographic definitely skews towards the, the PC.
1: Oh so. dude it's like 124 votes for PC and like 30 for console.
0: <laughs> I think the fact that the consoles are lumped together as if they're this one sort of monolithic category like console games PC games that right there is pretty telling to me. Uh, so
1: Oh sure yeah and uh, yeah really uh, you're not going to get I mean PC's always going to win on quarter 3 and I yeah you know, I love playing PC games love playing all games so I probably spend the most time on consoles.
0: Well you know what? Let's survey the room. So McMaster, you would have checked console. Uh senior airman Brian Kent, how did you vote in this poll? Uh well I went ahead and went
2: rather than with my actual uh time that I spent uh playing games, I, I went ahead and selected this what is my favorite option on this poll, which is amusement arcades.
0: What? Well, there you go. <laughs> Those don't exist anymore, first of all. <laughs> It's very few, <laughs> and second of all, no one goes there because we all have far better stuff in our homes. That's I know, no but if they did exist, useful... <laughs> if they did exist, that's where I would want to go to play games. And so, but, Brian, yeah, and when that you sound fantastic, it does sound fantastic. But I'm guessing that when you go there, pretty much the only option is going to be a skee ball.
2: Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> I'm so happy with this choice.
0: Uh, I would definitely be with McMaster, and that I think I would pick consoles. But only because I spend my time working on a computer and I just have this weird thing where if I can help it, if I'm going to play a video game, I'd just as soon break away from my laptop or desktop or whatever I've been working on and and sit on the couch for a while. Uh, Not that I don't love PC games, not that I don't play most of them, but yeah, I'd end up checking consoles on that. And I I would feel like I'm I'm kind of betraying PC gamers and, and my heritage a little bit, but that's what I'd pick.
2: So. Oh man, these posters would give you a stern posting to. yeah, don't don't tell them though, Brian. Let's
0: not oh, let sorry. that get around. Yeah. You know,
1: okay. on the subject of amusement arcades, did you guys see that uh, Kane's arcade thing? Tom specifically, because there was a L.A. based thing.
0: I do not. I don't. I don't even know what that is. When you say Kane's um, arcade, do you mean the guy from Command and Conquer? <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be way better. No, there's this, uh, there this little kid who uh, has a, an arcade he made out of cardboard that this guy discovered, and uh, he made a short film about it, uh, getting a bunch of customers for him and stuff. It's It's pretty cute.
0: Okay, I like that. So if I Google Kane's Arcade, this will be a short yeah. film about a little kid's cardboard arcade. Yeah, it's about
1: 11 minutes. It's on YouTube.
0: Uh oh, God, eleven! Is there an abridged version? I can watch that. Seems uh, kind of you, can,
1: you, you can skip through. It actually, it's really heartwarming, though. It warms the heart.
0: Oh, that's making me want to watch it even less. It's long. It's heartwarming. Yeah, eleven no. minutes is long. Say, I've, I've seen this. Damn, you
2: I've seen this link making the making the rounds, and I kind of feel the same way Tom does.
0: <sighs> the only thing you could make me want to watch that could make me want to watch it less, McMaster, if you were to tell me it was about the Holocaust.
1: Uh, It's it's not, but if there was somehow, like, a little kid that made a cardboard arcade based on the Holocaust, you'd have to watch that. I mean, mean, come on.
0: All right, so let's do – so that's it for Posts of the Week and long-form video documentaries of the week. Uh, (laughs) Let's transition to our News of the Week. McMaster, why don't you go first? What would you choose as as your News Story of the Week? Oh, you know, it's it's a lot I, of news this week. By the way, it's it's a sort of an embarrassment of riches, you might say. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of torn, but
1: I got I got I to say, okay, Lost Planet three was announced.
0: Hmm.
1: And uh, the thing that I, I'm not so excited about is that the studio um, that it's coming from is kind of they're kind of an unknown um, factor. I think they made the Call of Duty Finest Hour for the Wii, I believe, um, and uh, I didn't play it, but it doesn't, you know, I, that that's it doesn't bode them. well. Well, <laughs> it's like the biggest thing they've done so far.
0: Um, so Now, if I'm uh, not mistaken, that's the Call of Duty where you actually have to row a boat with the Mote. Is it that one? Uh, that might be it. That, that sounds awesome. Is. Yeah, I mean,
1: who wouldn't want to do that? Uh, no, the company's called uh, Spark Unlimited. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the the interesting thing is if you go to their projects page, they are in full production on Lost Planet 3, uh, blah, blah, blah. But there's another note under it that says, we started pre-production in November 2011 to develop a breakout game based on an established console franchise. Um, And it's uh, console and PC market action, uh, third-person action horror genre. That kind of caught my eye. Uh, So I wonder what else they're uh, up
2: to other than Lost Planet 3. So so that was in addition to Lost Planet 3?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I looked at it yesterday, and they hadn't put Lost Planet 3 next to their current projects. It was just unannounced and unannounced, too. And I was trying. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's Lost Planet 3, but I don't know what, what this is
0: well they're they're an independent studio i think they're here in los angeles uh they've they've been doing this kind of yeoman's work for a while uh like the call of duty the port for the Wii. uh they did a shooter i think called turning point liberty if i'm not mistaken it was an alternate history shooter i, I could have that wrong
1: yeah no no it's a turning point fall of liberty right
0: okay uh so they've been around for a while and and this sounds like uh, they're not going to be unknown that much longer. It sounds like they've got a couple of high-profile projects going. Um, and when I, I heard this news, I, I was kind of like you, McMaster, in that I was like, who? Who are these guys? Go but it, it reminded me of when Capcom announced they were doing Dead Rising 2. Uh, sure. And Dead Rising 1 was an internal development there at Capcom. Uh, the the guy who, you know, it was kind of a labor of love for, I'm going to screw up his name, Inafune. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so I remember when they announced Dead Rising 2 and the developer was some group named Blue Castle in Vancouver who was mainly known for these baseball arcade games, I, I think Right. Uh, and I remember thinking, oh, that's a terrible choice, this is going to be awful and I ended up loving Dead Rising 2
1: oh yeah, no, it's great, it's, it's better than the first one yeah.
0: and that developer is now an internal part, of Capcom acquired them uh, and furthermore, a good friend of mine uh, named Kelly Wand now works for them. So I, I think, like, Capcom, they've, they've had some misfires trying to westernize, you might say, and, and using Western developers, and I'm hoping that working with Spark Unlimited on Lost Planet 3 is going to be a Dead Rising 2 kind of situation with, with Blue Castle. So, uh, However, I have to say, McMaster, I, as a huge... Lost Planet 2 fan and evangelist, I I like to think that I've turned you into one of my disciples for Lost Planet 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, I really like it. Um, So I have to say, though, I'm not really – like, I'm glad they're making a Lost Planet 3, but I'm not that – the actual Lost Planet universe doesn't do that much for me. What what I love about Lost Planet 2 are the the mechanics of it and just the sheer craziness of stuff in there. And I don't particularly care about any of the specific stuff. I just like that over-the-top craziness that – it's sort of like whoever was making it over there in Japan was like – dropping hallucinogenics and then just sitting down to make a design document. Uh, And I love that sort of creative, unhinged aspect of Lost Planet 2. So the fact that Lost Planet 3 is a new development team, I sort of wonder, well, what are they going to do with the universe? And in a way, do I care? But I'm also a little bit worried that they're taking a different approach uh, that's veering away from a lot of what I liked about Lost Planet 2 to make it more commercially palatable, maybe, like they're well, adding, yeah. So go ahead, so what do we know then about what approach they're taking with Lost Planet 3? Oh, I'm sorry, I really didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, oh. You've actually probably gotten more into it than I have. Uh, well, I, the, I mean, they have its details. So they, they just showed it at a, at a press event for Capcom. Uh, Capcom right. does their yearly sort of mini E3. Yeah. And so we know a little bit about what they're doing. Uh, it, it has like hubs and NPCs that give you quests. And when they describe it, I remember thinking, well, that doesn't, Sound like lost planet Two that sounds like they're kind of trying to do this open world ragey borderlands kind of thing um, which to me that's not i that's not like what i I don't really need that in a lost planet so you know what yeah. I'm open to what they're doing I'm looking forward to it but uh, as a lost planet 2 fan, I just wonder how much they're making a game for me and how much they're making a game for everyone else instead right.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and, uh, you know, I I don't know. I liked... Did you like the first Lost... You you weren't a
0: big first. No, I didn't. I didn't care for it that much, yeah. I
1: I liked it. Uh, I I liked two better. Um, I I liked Lost Planet's multiplayer, the extreme condition stuff and all that uh, as well. But, um, yeah, Lost Planet is a... It's a franchise that I, I like to see do well because I like the other games in it. But, yeah, I'm not really attached to the world. I'm more attached to, like, Capcom's ludicrous tie-in crap they do to everything. I love changing skins and getting ridiculous stuff. And Right. right. I don't know. That's, a, that's part of the whole, like, push a button,
2: you know, pick a dolly, you know. Something. <laughs> Speaking of amusement
0: arcades, exactly. It's I mean, like, yeah. Like yeah, one of the,
2: aren't they one of the? They're like one of the few companies that actually like references a lot of their other games in their oh games.
0: Oh God, yes.
1: Oh, dude, you can't get a Capcom game without Wesker's ass showing up at least once
2: somewhere.
1: <laughs> you know, Wesker has got to be in every Capcom game, basically. Yeah, they're,
2: they're self. He should be in every game in, in general.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think he should be in Mario games. I think that would just be awesome. And Dante, maybe from Devil May Cry, that'd be great. <laughs>
0: Uh, Ryan Kent, do you care about lost planet three uh,
2: i don't think so um,
0: yeah, probably better I, not to. <laughs> <laughs> i uh
2: i bought the uh i bought lost Planet One on Steam for like three dollars or something like that um, after uh this was before I had bought a xbox three sixty um, sure. and I fired it up uh to check it out um, because it looked like fun. Um, I just am a fan of those sort of goofy action games. Oh, yeah. um, and it kind of seems similar to, like, say, uh, Earth Defense Force or something like that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but I, is, I fired it, is, it up. I fired it up and I found out that uh, the joystick or gamepad that I have for my PC, uh, for some reason, it mapped. And I was unable to change it. It mapped the y-axis to the x-axis. So that when I tried to look up, I would, I would have to push to the left. And yeah, that, then to look down, I had to push to the right. You
1: have to understand, that was probably a feature in Lost Planet. It wasn't <laughs> like a screw-up. Like, that's probably one of their original control schemes. Because that is like, the one thing I will take away from any Lost Planet games. it has the worst freaking control scheme. Uh, I just I do not understand what they were thinking. Well you do have to make an adjustment to it. Yeah.
0: Uh so Brian, I would recommend uh just take your controller and rotate it ninety degrees and you're all set. <laughs> <laughs> Working as intended. <laughs> uh all right, so uh my news of the week um is that uh Bethesda is retarded. Oh well, there you have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have two examples of, is that of news. Of, you know what? I, it's uh, it's continually unfolding uh, in the, the latest developments in the Bethesda is retarded file. Uh, I have two two bits of uh, news here. The first is that they are releasing Quake Four this summer. Which came out in two thousand six, two thousand seven. Where they released? You mean you mean five, right? <laughs> no, I mean four. Oh. For twenty dollars, you can get Quake Four, and there's uh, press releases oh. and everything. I say there's press releases. Oh. I don't, they've announced. Uh, let's see why. Um,
1: I, I don't can have an get an for, for
0: that. Five dollars now. <laughs> no, no, McMaster. No, you have to wait until it's re-released uh, this summer uh, on the PC and the three sixty. And you have to pay twenty dollars. I don't know what you're talking about, McMaster. But uh,
1: uh, there was this company called Raven, and uh, <laughs> they made this game
0: called Quake Four. I, I must be just confused, Adam. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if you if you think you're going to go out and get an old copy that's dirty pool, McMaster. That's, that's... <laughs> or just play my current old copy. That's no, 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 <laughs> McMaster. No, you're not doing it right. We need you to buy it again this summer for twenty dollars. Thank you very much. It's the big green Q. It's like Nyquil. <laughs>
1: It was kind of like Michael in a lot of other
2: ways, too.
0: (laughs) McMaster, that's a beautiful thing. Very nice. (laughs) Uh, So the other other, uh, bit of evidence I have to support that Bethesda is retarded is... And you know what? Actually, this is... they've been embroiled in their little trademark scheme situation with the fellow who made Minecraft. You know, they're very jealous of their intellectual property. So in that vein, they have filed six filings with the U.S. Patent Office to trademark the phrase, fu- let me get this right, fuss ro da. You uh, have got to be kidding. <laughs> nope. You can't. You cannot use this on things like, like toys, clothes, backpacks—they're uh, going to trademark that. Uh, so, Fuss use it while you can, because uh, Bethesda had, or Zenimax, their their parent company, they have filed for a patent for that. So, Fuss no longer in uh, the public domain, I guess. <laughs> ah, lawyers. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta love them. So, McMaster, that uh, that T-shirt, that Fuss dot T-shirt, that maybe you were planning on making—you know, those little iron-on letters. Uh, yeah, I was, I was having a guy actually
1: craft a line of cod pieces. My local blacksmith, this Fuss Road
0: Can I? Can I get one of those for or Can I? Get, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That mean, all right.
1: It'll be a black market
2: item. It'll be worth a ton. Be worth you know, ton. I don't think you guys are saying it right.
0: Wait a minute. Oh, yeah. How else would you say it?
2: Uh, I think you know.
0: No, no, we don't. Please. Oh, uh, you know what? I think Brian. Is so, are you supposed to say it with like a certain amount of vigor? Like, is, I, uh, I think so. I, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so there there you go. That's my news of the week. Brian Kent, what do you have for us for news of the week?
2: Uh, so uh, my news of the week is that uh, Dark Souls is coming to the PC.
0: No, that's impossible.
2: I swear to God.
0: Unpossible. But that's a console game.
2: It yeah, is. But- um
1: it's uh, going to be interesting. Uh, yeah, introducing a whole new world of people to pain.
2: Exactly. Uh, it's the darks. It's why does it say? Oh no! It's Dark Souls: Prepare to Die Edition is yeah. uh, set for release on August twenty fifth. And uh, actually, let's see. It has actually some extra content.
0: Yeah, so Ryan, uh, I've I've played Dark Souls on my three sixty. What's in it for me to play a PC version?
2: Um. Well, there's this. Extra episode that uh, it doesn't really have very many details yet. It just basically says new areas, new enemies, Mm -hmm. uh, new bosses, um, new gear, and doesn't mention any new gear. No, there is there is new gear.
0: Yep, no, I can I can verify that they have promised new gear. Yep. Uh, Now, uh, so uh, so, sorry to step on your story, but um, uh, they also are promising, and I don't really know what to make of this. Uh, a sort of faster, more streamlined entry into PvP with a matchmaking service. Um, so I think they're wanting to push that aspect. Because it, it's previously in Demon's Souls and Dark Souls, the, the multiplayer, I wouldn't say it's hidden, but it's something that you can just go <laughs> oh, yeah. through the game without experiencing. Like, you really have to seek it out. You can't just yeah. pop up a server list and jump into a game.
1: Well, um, no, I wouldn't say that. A lot of, a lot of people get a... <laughs> get some surprise multiplayer thrown that's a fair point McMaster sometimes
0: the multiplayer comes to you
1: oh Sarah got so damn mad about that she kept playing and getting to this one point and then this one dude kept showing up and killing her oh my god she was so freaking
0: mad well I'm guessing in the PC version she can maybe have more control over that I don't know what they're doing but they've promised PvP matching Uh, I think that's the the bullet point uh, Hmm. for whatever that means um so, Brian Kent, were you a uh, Dark Souls fan, or does this mean that you get to that you're looking forward to becoming a Dark Souls fan in August?
2: No, actually, uh, I'm a big fan. Uh, I'm currently still playing it, and uh, it's currently still kicking my ass. Um, and yeah, that that multiplayer stuff is just so obtuse. And me and a buddy of mine uh, tried to. Uh, like get together and try to do some co-op because yeah he can help elaborate the boss. yeah yeah there's like elaborate these elaborate facts and stuff online for how to get this going um, but it's all I mean it's all just so strange and the way they then there's no and it's not documented anywhere except in these guys that have taken time out of their days to like document some of this stuff and even they're not sure about how it works exactly but they're like if you two of you get together in a certain area and you're a certain number of levels apart then maybe there's a possible slight possible chance that you'll be able to join each other's game
0: uh brian did you did you remember the step with the goat's blood
2: um you know maybe that's why i was having so much trouble
0: yeah. you know we it use the sheep Ah, see, that'll screw you up every time yeah. see <laughs>
2: Um, when, uh yeah we 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 spent an entire night trying to get this working um and we're just unsuccessful and finally at the end of the night um I read the section of the fact that said uh only non-undead characters can summon uh people yeah. into oh, their yeah. games and so I said hey Matt are you uh are you undead and he said uh yeah <laughs> and so I threw my controller and turned off the Xbox
0: well, so that uh, yeah, that is one of their crucial steps. Is in order to be in multiplayer, be alive, yeah. yeah, for people to come into your game, you have to cross that undeath threshold, which uh, right yeah. So, uh, so mean, you, go ahead, McMaster.
1: Oh no, I'm sorry. I, I just hearing your your troubles made me think of uh, when I originally got my Demon Soul press copy a long, long time ago. Uh, Gus Mastrava, uh, uh and I tried to get a multiplayer going on the press uh, servers and we went as far as like hooking our xboxes up elsewhere and using them in a party to talk while playing trying to get demon souls to work and it was it just got <laughs> so freaking ridiculous that and we never
0: got it to work but man that was uh... probably because you use sheep's blood instead of goat's blood common mistake
1: yeah no no gus has a lot of goat's blood we, we <laughs> used the right side <laughs> i think it was the server
0: uh, one of the things that I wonder about, they're adding in new locations, new areas, but one of the things that I remember about uh, Dark Souls is how the the world is seems really intricately crafted in the way you progress through it and you unlock a door into a new area and then you can come around and unlock a new door from behind and that feeds back into an area you were before. And it has this great sense of flow and connectedness. Um, yeah. So it makes me wonder, where are they going to stick the new areas? Is there just going to be like a cul-de-sac over at one end? Uh, <laughs> will will it compromise that cool flow and progression? Uh, I don't know. So I'll be curious. And and also, if I have already played it, would it be enough to make me re-want, re-w- replay it or want to replay it on the PC? You know, Is there going to be enough content there to, to make me... Uh,
2: there's no way I'm ever going to replay this game again.
0: It's sort of like, yeah, you've done your term yeah, of service. Yeah, it's great. Know. That's so, yeah. <laughs> Until there's like a bona fide sequel. So,
1: in a way, I feel I spent almost so much time with Demon's Souls that I didn't play as much Dark Souls as I as I could have. Uh, I actually kind of like Demon Souls better, though. I know everyone disagrees.
0: Well, you know what, McMaster, uh, you better get while the getting's good because and this is some bad news. Uh, Demon's Souls goes offline next month. Atlas, yeah, Atlas is is killing the servers, so its multiplayer functionality is kaput and will be dead. And, and they have said, and this is, uh, I think, a little bit of a, a little bit of prevarication here, but they have said single player will be unaffected. But when you keep in mind that that means you won't have those little glowing messages, you, you right, know, that yeah. there's a lot of. You know, one of part of the beauty and the obfuscation of the, these games are how connected single and multiplayer are and how those little messages are part of the overall experience. So when yeah. Atlas says, you know what, we're turning off the servers, but single player is unaffected, I feel that's a little disingenuous. Well,
1: uh, right, and, you know, that was the thing with Sarah. It's like when she was playing uh, Dark Souls, you know, I kept saying, well, if you get mad, you know, because, you, of course, you have to turn human. Uh, for them to invade your world, and she was, like, about to get to a boss fight, you know, every freaking time, and then somebody wouldn't, you know, she'd turn human, ah, try right, to summon right. a helper, and then somebody'd jump in and kill her before she could get to the boss. So, like, I was like, well, why don't you just, uh, you know, I don't know, to take it off the internet for a while, and she's like, well, yeah, that's not really the point, you know, you <laughs> you miss all the, the messages and the, right. you know, the reenactments nice. and all that stuff, and Sarah's oh, pretty hardcore. Yeah, I don't know, I... I like
0: not losing all the time, I guess. <laughs> uh, so Brian, where have you have you are you sticking with Dark Souls? Like are you currently in a playthrough? Oh, yeah. And if so, like whereabouts are you? What what boss is currently kicking your ass? Uh
2: I I don't think that I'm very far at all. It's this uh I can't remember its name now, but it's this giant butterfly.
0: Ah, uh, yes, yes, cuz I remember that thing looks hey, that looks friendly. I'm going to go talk to it. It might give me a quest. And, uh, no, it ends up killing you. <laughs> so it right. does not give you a quest. No. no. Yeah, You would think it's like a, the good fairy.
2: Well, your qu- your quest is death. Right. <laughs> it's a sort of
1: quest. Yeah, yeah Dark Souls, Demon Souls is one of those games where uh, anything that looks that good can't be good. You know, every, every, like, nice person or good thing in there is like has its face cut up or its eyes gouged out. Anything that wants to help you is grotesque and horrifying.
2: Yeah, you can't really trust anything in that game. There's no... no- it is it is actively against you.
0: Yes, yeah. uh, and hence the uh, "prepare to die" subtitle. I, I like how playful that is. That they've done that for the PC version. Very cute. Um, all right. Well, before we transition into games of the week, I want a, a quick little mini news of the week. Like maybe if you guys That's have right. any runners up, feel free to, to weigh in oh, yeah. here. Absolutely. Um, but there was a uh, there was a game called Lunar Flight, uh, developed by a company called. Uh, This is kind of an unfortunate name called Shove Soft, which makes me think of like... Shoveler? Yeah, 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 exactly. I was like, is that really the name you want to go with? But anyway, this this game Lunar Flight is a really cool sort of nod to those early vector graphics. I forget what it's called. There's like some lunar lander maybe where you've got limited fuel and you're just trying to bring this little lunar lander down onto a platform to refuel it. Um, This is a fully 3D version of that where you land at a base and you pick up a mission and then you go to another base or you hunt down a beacon, uh, and the first area is in a, in a lunar crater, and eventually you progress to where you're trying to fly through canyons. Uh, but anyway, so Lunar Flight, which came out a while ago, was finally accepted on Steam. So congratulations to ShubSoft. That must be a huge boon for them. Uh, it's a very cool design. It's a very difficult game. Uh, you can't just jump in and, and fly a spaceship around. Uh, it's all about managing fuel and uh, things like... I don't even really know what this word means, but things like vector uh, figure into it.
2: I think I isn't that what,
0: That's what they made asteroids out of, isn't it? Ah, exactly right. Yeah. The graphics, very good. <laughs> they're like pixels, but for line drawings, yeah. Uh, so congratulations to ChubSoft. That's a, a little mini announcement. Uh, any other runners-up that we should bring up for news of the week? Um, yeah, I got a, a
1: Patricia Vance from the ESRB saying she wishes there were more adults-only games, or saying they the, the, we could use more adults-only games, AO-rated games.
0: Yep, that's not a viable rating. It's kind of like the NC-17 for movies. And, Correct. And that, that's a shame. Uh, we, we should be able to use that, and I guess the Publishers won't do it. Publishers, and I think retailers. I, I think the retailers are the main ones to be like, publishers won't do it because retailers won't carry it, but maybe right. as we transition away from brick-and-mortar to digital distribution, uh, that'll be, in the future, a, a viable rating for a game. Who knows? Uh, right, right. I just thought it was kind of interesting because right now, it's you know, it's not going to happen. Right, right. Uh, Wasn't Manhunter adults only?
1: I want to say uh, I think there was something about that. It, it may have been, but I, I know it was like there was definitely a uh, big uproar about it when it came out. Right, right. Uh, and we're not talking about the, the movie.
0: Yes, no, no. <laughs> I'm <not> sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes. Uh, Brian, any, any runners up for you for News of the Week?
2: Um, no, not really. Right. I just noticed this thing that the Journey soundtrack was released. Can so you hold me that?
0: Yeah, how does that go? Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nah, you're not mm-hmm. fooling
0: me. I know my Lord of the Rings soundtrack. Oh, I hear so. it. Nice try. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and w- where can you get that?
2: Um, Let's see. It's via iTunes and the PlayStation Network.
0: Ah, good. All right. So if you want to uh, listen to Journey's music, uh, go to iTunes. Good. Bookmaster, what is our next segment on the Quarter to Three Games podcast? Uh, I believe it's the uh, game segment. Ah. Now, I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to pick, and you know what I'm going to pick. So at the count of three, let's say our game of the week simultaneously. Are you ready? All right. All right. Uh, Brian, could you please count us down? All
2: right. Three, two, one. Uncharted 3. Yeah, yeah, I knew you were going to do it.
0: <laughs> no, you didn't. I knew you were going to do it. <laughs> you uh,
1: <had> no <laughs> well, I didn't know it was going to be Uncharted, but I knew it was. No, it's
0: definitely not Uncharted 3. No, I I, have, I definitely want to talk. It's Uncharted 2. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I want to talk some Xenoblade Chronicles. So, oh, yeah. Uh, so, McMaster, you've been playing. So, Brian. Uh, I'm assuming you haven't been playing with, with Demon Souls and, or I'm sorry, Dark Souls and a, a new child in the house. You probably haven't had a lot of time for Xenoblade Chronicles on your Wii. Am I right?
2: No, it's it's on my radar, but uh, now it's going to be a, probably a couple of years before I can get to
0: it. Well, maybe you can share it with your son at that point. Oh, uh- <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds good. So if you'll indulge us for a moment, Master and I are going to geek out a little bit over uh, Xenoblade Chronicles. Feel free oh, yeah, to. Yeah to interrupt where we can even field questions if you have any um so mcmaster tell me a bit about where you are and what you think of it
1: all right so i'm god i'm probably 12 or 13 hours into it and i'm uh, in the ether mines and um and you know i i like it quite a bit i haven't hit the part where it just supposedly opens up um but uh it does remind me of a few other games i like a lot um Reminds me of uh, *Tales of Vesperia, uh, *Dragon Quest VIII*. Um, it just has a really good feel to it. A lot of collectibles, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of uh, interesting fiddly things to do like that to wander around and find. And it's uh, the spaces in the world are pretty large too. Actually, it's a it's actually a pretty uh, impressive game for the Wii.
0: It, I really do feel that, like I, I get this sense that. Uh like for the given the hardware they've done a great job with the world design like they do things that i forget that i'm on the Wii. uh like there are times where you'll you'll climb up to a big area and you'll look down and you'll see oh i was just down there and you'll go up even farther and you'll go behind a wall and down a duct and you come to the top of a tower and it still hasn't loaded like you've still not gone through a loading screen you're still in the same physical space uh that you are And, and on the Wii, that's quite an accomplishment
1: um yeah no it's it's really interesting the game so far really does remind me a lot like i said of tales of vesperia which uh i don't know if you're familiar with those games it's like a tales series uh that have been on a like p s two and that was on three sixty but uh it's like um uh i don't know it's it's it, it, it is visually striking like the first time you come up to i guess the ro- the the knee or whatever it's called, the uh, Bionis knee, um, right. like uh, and they do like a cutscene. You look around, and you can like afterwards, you know, spin the camera around and look. Uh, it's a really attractive game. Uh, it's it's very lush and uh, it's really like cool looking. Like the setting is cool. I like the uh, you can see the giant like meko or whatever in the background or whatever the hell that thing's called. So and, that's uh, that's
0: yeah, that's the mecanus. So he's right, Mechonis, Yeah. Yep.
1: Uh, it's He's the world where the Mecha, mech mechnos or mech mechons. mechons the right. mechons, yep.
0: It, you know what, it's, yeah. so the names, I remember when I first started playing and it sounded a little funny, but having now logged, I, I'm right at around 120 hours, and the names no longer sound ridiculous to me. It's kind of like when yeah. the Wii came out and they announced it, you're like, ah, oh, that's stupid. And well, now we say we this, we that, and you don't even think twice about how ridiculous it sounds. So I feel that well, way about a lot of the names in, in Xenoblade.
1: I was so upset about the Wii, because the Revolution is a pretty cool name, and then if you change it to the Wii, it just kind of loses that thunder. Uh, But the the thing that gets me is they cannot say the main weapon's name without me thinking of Menudo on ABC, which was like this commercial for Menudo in the 80s (laughs) that would play during the uh, morning cartoons. And uh, the main weapon's name is the Monado. So I I just keep having this Minuto association.
0: Minato is an yeah, I'm glad you didn't put that in my head before uh before I started Yeah. yeah.
2: I just I just had to give you a slow clap for somehow integrating Minuto into a discussion <laughs> of Xenoblade. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes.
0: Well, You do hear uh, a lot okay. about about the Monado. I mean, the Monado is it's it's the oh. equivalent of the uh, what's the sword in Excalibur? It's Excalibur, isn't it? I just... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what, and there you have it. What's, what's the <laughs> what is that? What is that king's name in King Arthur? I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> what's the boxer and Rocky? A <laughs> bull? Uh, but you definitely hear about the Monado a whole lot in that game, uh, and I also like the the characters' names. Like like Shulk sounded really yeah. ridiculous to me. It's like a Shulk is like a a sulking Hulk. <laughs> it's right. like a, or a sullen Hulk is a Shulk. Uh, and uh, but but I you know you you hear it enough over 120 hours, and it totally makes sense. So I can say Shulk and rhine and Monado and Makanus and Bionis and and all that totally sounds right to me because it's been rammed into my head um so yeah, i go ahead I
1: came, I came to this grand realization this week and uh i uh i just like GameStop enough that i actually ended up ordering the game from nintendo so uh i only got it uh, a couple of days ago uh but i've played a lot of xenoblade and um i came to this realization that i don't i really like jrpgs i just don't like final fantasy yes because you know, I keep having this association of Final Fantasy with JRPGs because yeah, it's pretty ingrained in America. Um, but it's like every other JRPG I play. Well, for the most part, like Infinite Undiscovery is a piece of shit. But like every other like uh, JRPG I play, uh, I get a lot more enjoyment out of than the Final Fantasy counterparts. I, I, I don't. I don't know when it happened. I, I think it was sometime around seven. But they stopped being really interesting, with the exception of twelve. Twelve was pretty decent. But so yeah.
0: The Final Fantasy games, because I've I've only recently played thirteen, two, or like I've lost track of, of what they've done. Right. But but having played the most recent one, uh, and having been really disappointed with it, I, I was just so elated to discover that a lot of those conventions, a lot of things that make JRPGs work can work they don 't necessarily mean you 're going to get a a really leaden game design like thirteen two and that 's that 's what the real joy of Xenoblade Chronicles has been for me, is to discover that J-O- JRPG doesn't have to mean all these things that, that to me, have a negative connotation.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think a big thing that Square does wrong with Final Fantasy is that they've kind of come to this point where they're, they've just taken it as a given that their fans are going to play for 80 or right. 120 or 150 hours, and you know what, not everybody wants to do that. So, But they write these giant sweeping epics that are full of, like, jumping up their own ass, kind of ridiculous Ridiculous cut scenes and just it, it just gets really it, it gets really overblown and and not everybody wants to play 60 to 100 hours to see your i mean straight through to see your you know the end of your game so you know uh, well
0: i will say so mcmaster one of the things that i i like about the structure of xenoblade chronicles is those overblown cut scenes and all that scripted stuff and all the characters and even this slightly histrionic anime style uh, political intrigue and stuff about fate, uh, you're going to get that in Xenoblade Chronicles, but it's not front-loaded. What it does, it kind of in, it reverses the process, is it starts more open-worldy, it's not exposition-heavy, and it hooks you first with the gameplay, and then starts layering that stuff on. Um, like, I was maybe 40 hours in until it started with this really cool political intrigue subplot. Uh, and i 'm kind of loath to talk too much about specifics because there 's a real sense of discovery as it starts to unfold that story, and the things that you have to sit through like I remember sitting down to play thirteen final Fantasy XIII two and there 's literally an encyclopedia of entries that that uh-huh. i read through about what is going on you know from the moment 132 starts this is the stuff i'm supposed to know and it it was just overbearing and i i, I was it curious is. i wanted to try and it just it so so this completely inverts the process and when you first start playing there's none of Like It's very relaxed, and it's kind of like this open world, wander around, collect stuff, and have cool combat, but eventually you do get that, uh, and you do get these crazy long cut scenes. I mean, there are stretches of Xenoblade Chronicles where I feel like I don't, I don't play the game for like 10, 20 minutes at a time because I'm watching sure. some story stuff. Uh, But they they hooked me with gameplay first, which I really appreciate.
1: Well, that's the thing. You know, it's like, and this might be a weird comparison, but the Final Fantasies uh, remind me of, like, Michael Jackson videos. You know, at first there was this big excitement about them and everything. And then they still remained events for a while. But the videos and the music got worse. And and that's really, but it comes to be, it's like a big event. It's this big, like... Uh, blockbuster that they're trying to go for it's this huge epic feeling and i think you can do that without taking yourself so seriously uh you know uh, it's like also you know to be fair most of the other games i've played though they use outlandish things you know like fantasy and uh, etc they don't like have their own complete dialect most of the time which you have to keep up with, um, which uh, I really appreciate. And Xenoblade, it's not terribly, uh, terribly dialect-heavy. Um, now, I uh, will say it's kind of funny how the characters have learnt things instead of learned things. Uh, have you noticed that? How it's. I think it's a.
0: I think it's a British, British thing. Like, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: yeah, I've, I've noticed. That. I've noticed like they spell apologize with an S instead of a Z. Yeah, I mean, the color
1: with a U. Yeah, I mean, everything is like. Yeah, that's a, that really cracked me up because you know the, the story behind it was they weren't going to release it here, and then they released it in Europe uh, uh, when everybody here wanted it, and they were like, ha ha. Well, Europe will get it, dicks. But uh, and then uh, Nintendo, of course, uh, released it through GameStop only, like they just want it to fail.
0: Well, and but, I uh, love- I love the English accents. I love the voice acting in this. No, the voice
1: acting is great.
0: Yeah, and it's very English. Like, I love how uh, Fiora and Shulk and Ryan. like, I, he's not really Cockney, but, but they all have this sort of different English background to them. And later on, you meet a race which is much more proper English. Uh, there's a there's a character, um, Dixon, who's kind of like this Captain Jack Sparrow type English. Uh, yeah, you know, Dixon's cool, yeah. Like, you know,
1: did you ever play uh, Dragon Quest VIII? Uh
0: you, you probably didn't. I think
1: we talked about this before. Yeah. Uh, it was a PS2 game. Um, but, yeah, the... Ca- a lot of the characters in that game uh, are very reminiscent. Uh, in fact, the game's kind of reminiscent in a way. Just it's really colorful kind of uh, animation style, open world. Um, but yeah, there, there's a uh, characters in there. Have, like they range from having like your cockney all the way to you know proper British sounding. It, it, it's uh, I think it's kind of like. Uh, Uh, an either-or for Japanese role-playing games is either you're going to get like a British accent crew or you're going to get an overly Americanized crew, which is usually your Final Fantasies.
0: Well, I do want to say there are, it wouldn't be a quarter to three games podcast without me saying something dismissive about the Mass Effect series. So in in that vein, I want to say there are three things that I love in Xenoblade Chronicles that I think also are done in Mass Effect and specifically Mass Effect 3, but that I really like the way that they're done in Xenoblade Chronicles. And, and they're, they, they, I didn't even think of these three things in relation to Mass Effect. It's only as I sat down and, and wrote them out that I thought, oh, wait, Mass Effect does this too, and I really prefer it in Xenoblade Chronicles. So the three things are that I love about this game. Uh, first of all, the world the world building. So Mass Effect 3 is this cool space opera and we, we sort of know these aliens, you know, we know they're from general sci-fi types and, and it fits together and there's a lot of ambitious detail and stuff in it. Um, but, the the xenoblade chronicles world is this weird mythological conceit and like you said mcmaster when you when you are on a landscape you can see in the distance the maconus so the the right. conceit in xenoblade chronicles is that the universe the world all of creation consists of two two giant Creatures. One is the Bionis, and it represents organic life. And the other is the Mechonis, and it represents what we know in Mass Effect 3 as synthetic life, or robots, or machines. Uh, And so the premise of Xenoblade Chronicles is that these two creatures, these titans, if you will, the Bionis and the Mechonis, were fighting, and they somehow came to a stop. Uh, So each of these worlds is connected at this sort of freeze frame of battle. Uh, and something happens in the beginning of the game that the battle starts up again and uh, the freeze frame looks like it's maybe not frozen anymore. So it's this really cool, unique, vivid world building that, you know, Mass Effect 3 has cool stuff, but it's very familiar to anyone who likes sci-fi. This might be real familiar to a lot of people who are into JRPGs. I I don't know. But to me, it feels really fresh and unique, and I love where it goes. And I can't talk too much about that because there would be a a lot of spoilers. But I will say that having finished both Xenoblade Chronicles and Mass Effect 3, the story they're telling in ways very, very similar. A lot of the same issues, a lot of the same themes, and I just feel that Xenoblade Chronicles handles it it's just much better written. I love where it goes, and I love how it plays with those themes.
1: Yeah, you know, Xenoblade. Uh, one thing I'll give to So there are a few well, really well written JRPGs, and that's they they have an almost operatic quality. Oh yeah. Like all of the characters are so larger than life. You know, like uh, and you know, it, I hate that kind of like over overbearing like. Uh, like Dragon Ball Z style, but uh, you know there, there is something to be said for a, a more subtle feeling to the uh, the Japanese animation feel that can can really convey interesting characteristics. Like the bad guys I've seen so far, are pretty great.
0: Uh, I wish I could think of his name, but the fellow who's done all the Xenosaga games and he's the I think design director for Xenoblade Chronicles uh, definitely loves his philosophy. Because as you mentioned, McMaster he named the Zeno, no, what is it? He named one series all after Nietzsche uh, novels, books. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I just thought that would be an entertaining, not game of the week. And that, that definitely shows in some of the writing that, that you see later in the game. So
1: yeah, anyway, that, so, that's, it's really dark, actually. Uh, a lot of the stuff I've seen so far, it's a pretty dark uh, dark place as it goes to.
0: Which is kind of, even though it is anime, and maybe I just don't know my anime, that that reminds me, like, Mass Effect 3 wants to be dark. It wants to be this grim, dark, brutal universe. And even though Xenoblade is really colorful and has all that anime splash, it, it is very dark and in ways very grim. Yeah. So there's the world building that I really like. The other two, things that i'll mention briefly the real-time combat the idea is that you have three distinct characters and you are in real-time combat now of course mass effect they became a shooter eventually um and even though you pick different characters that i didn't feel like the characters had that they of course had different tweaks and they would like some would be biotic or some would emphasize guns more but they were all kind of using the same tool set uh right The characters in Xenoblade, to me, feel much more distinct. Like, if I go and play a mission in Mass Effect 3 with, like, Edie and Liara and then my character, I'm going to be basically doing, with a few tweaks, the same kind of things that I would do with uh Garris or you know whatever three characters you're playing you're you're still kind of in, involved in the same rock paper scissors balance stuff All right um so what they do instead with xenoblade chronicles is they rest that real-time combat on mmo mechanics of tanking um dps and healing with the whole aggro thing going um and and that I think, frees them up to really mix up the character builds. Like, there's a lot of freedom to play with those mechanics. Um, So I feel that when I take three different characters in Xenoblade, an encounter feels very different based on which three characters I'm using. And I didn't quite, as much as I loved the shooting in Mass Effect 3, I didn't get a feeling that the characters were as distinct or that they altered the the nature of the experience as much. Um, So I love the real-time combat. Uh, and then finally, what I want to bring up, I think the life's blood, the sort of the 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 sinews, like what really drives Xenoblade Chronicles, the fuel, I guess, is this relationship system. Mass Effect 3, that's a huge selling point for fans of the series. You know, that's something that Bioware has always done, is they build their stories and their characters on relationships. Uh, and a lot of times this comes down to this silly romance. You know, who were you going to put in the goofy sex cut scene You know, if that's your bag, whatever. That stuff has never really worked for me. I've always felt it's a little embarrassing. I get that people dig that. That's fine. But it's never worked for me. The relationship system in Xenoblade Chronicles is, yes, there's no sex stuff, but it's who likes whom, how much. And there's a lot of building up little relationships with characters over the course of the game. But what I really like about it is how it is injected into gameplay systems, So, your relationship with another character directly affects how you can develop that character. Because as you play, your character is unlocking skills and that's like any rpg but what happens is if you are close to another character you can equip that character's skills so if i am really close to shulk all of the things he learns i can use in my other characters uh and i love how as you build relationships you are exponentially increasing the options you have for how you develop your characters like the skill Um, links you mean the skill links yep exactly yeah yeah they're pretty cool it
2: sounds a bit like persona 3 maybe
0: so what, oh, okay. how did, what was the relationship in Persona Three, Brian? Um,
2: well, basically you had to um, you would uh, have these interactions with people at your at the school mm-hmm. during your uh, regular days, and then they. God, now I can't really remember. That's why I'm asking.
0: Well, <laughs> so I can't it, really remember how like it worked in Persona Three. Basically, like it, you would. Oh, go ahead. Well, it was tied into their demon fusion system, right? Like, it didn't have a lot to do with... Yeah.
1: The level of your relationship gave you different options when fusing items and creating new demons. And, uh, like, that was, like, the whole thing is, like, how... How well you knew certain people meshed better with what types of different demons you could create for battles, etc.
2: So I mean, did you do you have to make those sort of decisions where am I going to hang out with this person or am I going to go with this
0: person oh, yeah. to do this? Well, so part of the beauty of it is that the relationship, the relationship system in Mass Effect Three is, I, I always felt like it, it was sort of underdeveloped. It 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 was something that you would pick in a dialogue tree at very specific times. Um, you know, you could add little points to a relationship pool or whatever, and then maybe you would unlock a new skill line or a super skill or something like that. Um, but the relationship system here is something that is constantly building up, almost no matter what you're doing. You know, right. as you're as you're in combat, for instance, uh, one of the combat effects is is uh, is a daze. You know, a character can be briefly knocked out where he's got a little in downtime. If you run over to that character and you press a button, it undazes him. It removes the negative buff, plus you get a few hearts of relationship. So just in the course of normal combat, you're constant. and, and as you do these little team abilities, and you can even encourage each other, when a character misses a swing, they'll, yeah. say, they'll say something like, oh darn, I missed. You know, every, the, the, the amount of voice recording, like lines in this, I, at 100 hours in, I was hearing new things from the same characters I'd been playing all along. It's amazing. But so when some when somebody misses you can do it gives you the option to press a button to encourage that character and say oh that's okay you'll do better next time uh, and you get hearts for that like it, it feeds into the relationship system
1: yeah that's uh, that's true it's uh, though I will say
0: I have heard quite a few lines of dialogue a lot more than a few others uh, and when you when you accept quests by the way whoever is in your party at the moment you accept the quest yeah. you get you get hearts then. Uh, the crafting feeds into relationships. It's even, it's even got, of course, gifts. Like, if you want to give items to, from one character to another character, you can, you can choose the, the giver and the recipient. Uh, you can get hearts from that. Um, so, uh, yeah, like, I, am there have been a lot of cool, like, that, that seems to be something that maybe JRPGs are, well, you mentioned Persona, Brian, and I, I remember that having a very rich system. Uh, in terms of right. like, who you liked and who you didn't like. So a lot of Xenoblade Chronicles is, okay, I want these two people to be better friends, so I'm going to put them in a party together. And I'm going to adventure with this group for a while just to further this relationship. Uh,
1: you okay. know, another game that this one reminds me of, too, is Dark Cloud, uh, just from the, oh, yeah. the the writing aspect of it. Dark Cloud is interesting <laughs> Interesting series.
0: There's, uh, I don't want to say too much, but there's something that happens that I think you're about to get to, McMaster, that reminds me a lot of Dark Cloud that that I haven't seen in many other games, and I'll just say two words, actually one word and one number, and I'll leave it at that, and the word and the number is Colony 6.
1: Yeah, I was actually kind of expecting you to say that, because I am (laughs) right there. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, the game is uh, the game's really cool. I, I love the collectability stuff. Uh, that's something that I've always loved in games. Uh, I, I like that, you know, as you fill up your collectopedia, you get, like, rewards for actually doing that. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the, the RPG system and the combat system is really deep. And, you know, I didn't really, I think, realize that at first. Um, I went through, like, the basic tutorials that were popping up. And then I, I was like, yeah, what, why am I having some problems with this? So I start going and watching the advanced tutorials, and there's a lot going on there. Yeah. Um, the the combat stuff is uh, pretty crazy. And I think one thing that's pretty fascinating, too, is that you, you play one character, but you choose which character that is, and it does kind of make a difference. Um, because that's kind of like, a, I've read a, a strategy that... Uh, says that uh, I should try playing this other character because I'm having problems with this one boss uh, and it should uh, help me beat the fight, which is something I might not have thought of. Uh,
0: it, and yeah. that's part of what I, I was getting at when I talked about the real-time combat and how the characters feel distinct. Uh, like in Mass Effect Three, you're always yourself, and you pick your two right. compatriots. Uh Here, you end up getting—I think it's seven. By the time the game is over, there's seven characters, and you pick any three to be in your party. And of those three, you pick which one you want to control as a human player, and it does make a difference. Like I, you can play this as an MMO where you're the healer all the time, or you can play it as a as a sort of a, a, a hand-to-hand oh, fighting yeah. game you can play it as a range dps kind of game so at any given time you can switch up your class as it were uh and i love yeah. that about it
1: i've been playing mostly shulk so I, I guess i
0: hadn't really thought about it um now who have you played most times you know what? I can't say that anymore because it, it totally varies. Like It depends. Like yeah. I'll, There are times I will sit down and want to play Xenoblade Chronicles, and I'll be like, you know what? I'm just going to be the healer. So I'm going to take Sharla. She's the sniper chick, and her gun yeah. shoots like healing bullets. I'm going to load her up with some healing bullets, and I'm just going to sit back and watch the computer beat up on stuff, and I'll just play it. And there are other times like playing the mage chick, which is really involved about which spells am I going to queue up. Uh, that's sure. completely different. Playing Ricky, who's this little cool, just like high-damage out put he's a little creature called a nopon uh (laughs) he just like bounces around and totally beats the tar out of stuff and it it's this gratifying just just over the top it's like a barbarian i guess in a uh in an action rpg uh so i I don't think there's one that i've played the most um and there's and there are also there are things late in the game that i can't really talk about because they're huge spoilers that have to do with the characters i like and uh so yeah there you go so yeah. those are the three things I would say if if you're digging Mass Effect 3 and if you like RPGs uh Xenoblade Chronicles I would recommend for the world building the real time combat and the relationship like those three aspects which I know a lot of people really appreciate about Mass Effect 3 uh if you dig that in Mass Effect 3 I would heartily encourage you to for those same reasons to check out Xenoblade Chronicles.
1: No yeah it's 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 really cool so far I've enjoyed my time with it.
0: Yeah. All right, so, Brian, that's us holding forth about Xenoblade Chronicles. Sorry to uh, force you to sit through that since you're not going to get to play for a couple of years. Uh, (laughs) Somebody wake up Senior Airman Brian Kent. (laughs) Welcome back to the Quarter to Three Game Podcast, Brian. (laughs) Oh, hey. All right, so what do you have to top that for Game of the Week?
2: Oh, well, oh, man, now I'm kind of in a spot. I was hoping that you would pick a, this particular game, mm-hmm. and so I had set up something a little bit different that might have been interesting. So um,
0: what, what were you hoping that I would pick? Maybe that'll uh, that'll uh, help lead you into it then. Like, whisper uh, to me what it is, and I'll go ahead and change my pick.
2: Okay. Um, I thought you were going to talk about Pinball Arcade.
0: So my game of the week is Pinball Arcade by Farsight Studios. Oh, my gosh, I love that. Yeah, four real-world tables that they have adapted. (laughs) Yeah, the Ripley's, right? Right. You have Ripley's, believe it or not. You have Theater of Magic. You have, uh, don't tell me, don't tell me, uh, Tales of Arabian Nights. And then you have my favorite, very retro, uh, Black Hole. So that's my game of the week. Over to you, Senior Airman Brian Kent.
2: (laughs) Oh, thanks, Tom. Um... Oh yeah, I was really excited about pinball arcade, and well, I just need to tell this quick story about how. I mean, there's some posts, there's a thread on the on the boards they're talking about, it and the, the way the physics are better, and it's and it's. Um, but for some reason, I really like the ball texture. It just seems much. More, I don't know what that means, but uh, <laughs> the ball seems much more real uh, than in uh, Pinball FX Two. Um, and I downloaded the demo and I was playing Theater of Magic.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was really into it and uh, I was getting excited and I, and, um, I got multi ball. And like six balls just shot out onto the table and just things went nuts and things were flashing and exploding. Right. right. And uh, then my uh, demo time expired
0: oh snap so now you have to so you bought it right, right. They, so they, I went, oh, it. Yeah,
2: okay i'm gonna all right all right i'm sold i'm gonna buy it i purchased it and downloaded it and it made me restart it and i lost my multi-ball
0: well i think if it's any consolation uh senior airman brian kent theater of magic if i'm recalling correctly which table it is that table will enter multi-ball mode with a gentle breeze <laughs> so, wow thanks Oh, sorry. I did, actually, I, I think I had the unintended <laughs> side effect of, of minimizing your sense of accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, great. But, Tom. but suffice to say, you'll get you'll get a multiplayer ball mode back. I have to say, also, I don't. I'm not. Multi ball modes just mess me up. Like I have enough trouble keeping up with one ball. When I have to keep up with three balls, like as not, I'm just going to lose all three of them. Like oh, like no, that, no. like
2: super quickly. You just have to just stare right at the flippers. No, I can't Don't do that. Your I, no, your no,
0: no, but I want to see what's happening on the table. No, you can't. No, I want to aim at things.
2: <laughs> you can't do it. That's impossible.
0: <laughs> it really is. Fun. I mean, you just have to watch. It is sort of like you just you fix your eyes. You can't blink on just that one little rectangular area around your flippers. And any time yeah. a ball gets near it, you yeah. just spaz out and hit the buttons until the ball goes yeah. away. <laughs>
1: Oh, God, you know, Sarah, I'm sorry. Sarah wanted me to tell you her super score is over 3,000 now.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't think you have super scores in Pinball Arcade, so. No, yeah. no, no. <laughs> I'm sure she'll be there next. <laughs> uh, so, Brian Kent, welcome to the world of uh, of Pinball Arcade. I hope you get your multi-ball back. Have you looked at Black Hole, by the way?
2: Um, I haven't. No, I haven't looked at that one yet. I'm, uh, I'm fath- pretty sure
0: I've played it.
2: Like for reels um, but I, it's not it's not a real memorable one for me
0: it, it's a fascinating table as far as adapting it to video game pinball because it pretty much has nothing that a good video game, pinball game needs. And I I love that about it. Uh, It's just, it's wide open, it's empty. The the center is, you know, as becomes outer space, the center is just this big empty gap. uh, And it's, there's only like maybe three or four things to do on the table. I I just love how focused it is. Yeah. So, all right. So if that's not your game of the week, then what could you have picked?
2: Uh, well, what I did because I thought you were going to pick pinball Arcade, or at least wanted you was, um, I did kind of a little end around and uh, I want to talk about like a couple of really small games um, that came out of a uh, recent game forty eight hour game jam based on uh, tweets by a fake Peter Molyneux account. Hmm.
0: Have you heard about this? It's Molly Do. What would Molly Do? It was, like, it you... was
2: What Would Molly Do. Yep. Um, the the fake Twitter account was called Molly Do, or at Molly Do. And uh, they basically, this group of guys spent 48 hours, well, a bunch of guys from all over the world, spent 48 hours creating games based on tweets of that fake account, which are strikingly similar to things that the actual Peter Molyneux might probably might have said
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, so what what did you find from this game jam
2: so uh, I found uh, a couple of games here Um, the first one is called the unbearable and uh, the the tweet from Moladu was you are a bear but for some reason your oxygen comes from hugging people problem is that hugging people breaks their bones." So basically, you, you, um, <laughs> you uh, it's a short, it's a small uh, top-down game where you play this bear uh, walking around, and your life is like slowly draining, uh, and you have to search through this forest uh, in a top-down view and grab people and hug them in order to restore your life, uh, and unfortunately, that kills them. Um,
0: we also had someone on the forum, and I wish I could remember his name to give him credit, but I, I apologize that I can't, who made it sort of as a uh, a side-scrolling, like a, uh, f- what was that, final fight kind of game, where the bear walks down from left to right across the screen grabbing people and bloodily hugging them to replenish his oxygen, uh, based on, the, on that tweet.
2: Yeah. Right. Uh, so then the next one, a lot of these games were just basically like much like the tweets themselves they're kind of just like one joke games mm-hmm. um and uh, they're kind of just worth just the, the minute or two that it takes to uh, get through them um this next one was called river city pub crawl and uh the inspirational tweet was oh dear only 22 cans of beer left hold on that's giving me an idea and so, this is basically a side scroller that's based on River City Ransom. And you play one of the characters from River City Ransom. And uh, you s- basically, you, s- you scroll to the right, picking up 22 cans of beer. And as you drink them, um, your character becomes more and more drunk, and all just sort of crazy things, insane graphics. And the screen starts shaking, and insane things happen to your, to your guy as he makes it, as he progresses through the level. it's hilarious.
0: <laughs> all right, so uh, <laughs> and uh we so you can go th- you can go through and sample these, right? Like these are all posted, uh, right, right? And
2: these are all on the uh what would site. Um,
0: and there's like over 200 games. Um and was there a winner, or is there any sort of rating system, or if you if you jump in, are you just confronted with 200 games to play? How, how do you pick out the best ones?
2: You are pretty much uh, just confronted with a list of 200 games. Um, let me see. There's actually 302 is the final count that they ended up with. Some of them are texts. Base games, um, some of them are 3D games, so a lot of them are 2D games, a lot of them using the Unity engine, um, and there's just all sorts of craziness, um, like triss which is a combination of Breakout and Tetris, where one player plays Breakout on the left side of the screen, and the other person plays Tetris on the right side, and as you break blocks, as the break blocks in Breakout, it sends those blocks over to the guy who's playing Tetris.
0: Sounds like then, a little like co-op competitive kind of action going there.
2: Right. And like the tweet based for what that was based on was, imagine being able to launch a missile in Battlefield and have it hit your online friend's car and say, Burnout paradise.
0: <laughs> that, that would be awesome. I like that. Yeah, I like that better than the breakout Tetris.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, in this, in that example, they've sort of just taken the spirit of that. Um, but, yeah, oh yeah, that would have been awesome.
1: Uh, let me just say that uh, in the spirit of that Twitter, uh, Twitter, Tim Smith better thank Jesus that's not real because he would be – I would be taking care of business if he sees car games and – never mind. Carry on.
0: All right, because Tim, Tim Smith, uh, yeah, big fan of racing games, and it would definitely help us beat his times – if he could launch missiles at his car when he's playing a racing game, yes. it was it
1: was funny too. See, it
0: was
2: it was, it was a joke.
0: Uh, and uh, Senior Airman Brian Kent, what does it cost me to play these three hundred and six games?
2: Uh, they, you can play all of these
0: games for the low cost of zero dollars. Sweet. Uh, it, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, and what, tell us again, the Earl, where we would find these? It's whatwouldmollydo.com. dot com. Good. All right. And that's your Game of the Week, all 306 of them. We have never yes. had someone show up, by the way, with 306 Games of the Week.
2: So well, that, yeah, that's the Let's not get excited. It's 302.
0: Ah, all right. So you've opened yourself you up. You were close. You were yeah. close. Because <laughs> <laughs> we did have someone once show up with 304 Games of the Week. So I'm sorry you didn't. Uh, ah! Why did say All right. So those are our Games of the Week. Uh we actually have three hundred and two three hundred and three games of the week. The three hundred and two for the What Would Molly Do competition and Xenoblade Chronicles. So uh, we, we recommend all three hundred and three of those. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rick McMaster, what are we gonna bring folks next week?
1: Um the the new revolution. Oh,
2: and uh,
0: games and news of the week. Awesome. So uh, join us for that next week. Uh,
2: Tom, um, before yes, you yes. sign off, um, sure. I want to uh, put both of you guys on the spot right now. Please and do. Invi- and invite you to be guests on my podcast. Oh,
0: Lord. I cannot speak for Rear Master, but, <laughs> but I would gladly join you for your podcast. Tell us what your podcast is.
2: My um, podcast It's called Late to the Party and uh it's
0: lttp as 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 if you're if you're really leet and with it on the internet write yes. that lttp so uh late exactly. to the party and go ahead and, and what do you do on late to the party
2: uh it's basically me and my friend matt we talk about a a recent game that we're playing um somewhat or yeah a modern game that we're playing and then we compare and contrast it with a classic game
0: ah can you give us an example? Like, what's what's something that you uh, so there? yeah?
2: Just recently, we talked about Dark Souls, and then we talked about the Kingsfield series.
1: Well, sure, because I mean they're basically the same deal in a lot of ways, right? I mean, it's a, oh yeah, a, yeah, it's like a direct uh, ancestor. But yeah, no, I know exactly. no, I see where you're going with that.
0: I don't even know what you just said. The Kingsfield series,
1: yeah, right. Kingsfield was from Softwares' uh, early games that kicked you in the groin. Uh, Demon Souls caught on, I think, because they sent it out to a lot of people that really ended up digging it. It got a lot of press, and it kind of harkens back to a time when games were hard. Um, and Kingsfield was just kind of during a time where there was a lot of hard games, I and mean, Kingsfield's really hard.
0: We know, Senior Airman oh, Brian Kent. I I wanted to be on your podcast, but now I'm worried that you guys are way too smart for me because I I have no I'd never even heard of this Kingsfield thing. Uh,
2: well, uh, in our in our first episode, we talked about La Noire uh, versus uh, the Tex Murphy adventure games.
0: Ah, so. I could have done that one right. Okay, as long as you can dumb it down to that level, I would sure. love to join you guys sometime. Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, Sounds like McMaster's yeah. right up your alley though. He right off the bat yeah. knew about what that that Chesterfield <laughs> thing was or whatever.
1: And weirdly <laughs> enough, I was just uh I just sent uh, Tom an email about LA Noir earlier a few days ago uh, because I'd watched Chinatown and went, "Man,
0: <laughs>
1: oh Chinatown, uh, or oh LA Noir, you are Chinatown smashed into LA confidential."
0: Uh so uh when how often do you guys record, Brian?
2: Uh so we um well, uh, because we have a lot of guests, we try to get a guest every time. Uh, our recording schedule is a little bit off, but we try to. I try to release an episode every other week.
0: Okay, and folks can find that under iTunes if they type in "Late to the Party." Exactly. All right. Good. Well, uh, we will gladly join you. Uh, hopefully, you guys will be hearing about a an episode of Late to the Party with me and or Jason soon. Uh, In the meantime, come on back to the Quarter to Three podcast next week for uh, Games of the Week and News of the Week. I am Tom Chick, and I have been joined by Rear Master Jason McMaster (laughs) and Senior Airman Brian Kent. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks. Thanks.